for hating having house guests. Yeah. But I have to admit that when somebody does infringe on my yeah. space, I do clean my apartment. And you're known, you're known for hating. For yeah, having, yeah, yeah. Some in I think in um, I don't know in the early '90s or something when I lived in a group house, mm, we used yeah. to always have house guests. Yeah. So we would that. have like um, bands, whatever. You know, we yeah. we lived near Maxwell's. Yeah. So we would have bands in yeah. the house, and it was fun. It was all like oh, fun and games, and everyone's oh, Marie likes to have house guests. And then when I moved to Manhattan, it became an epidemic, right? Like com- comics people? No, anyone. Just everyone. Anyone I've ever heard of knows somebody who needs a place to stay in Manhattan. Yeah. It got to the point where I started saying no, <laughs> right? Because I don't want people in my house yeah. all the time. Um, but there's still a few holdouts. Bands are the worst. I, I mean... I don't need any bands in my house. Yeah. Not at I this lived point. in... Yeah. I mean, when I, was, when I was in school in Santa Cruz, we had a lot of bands. Bands are just... Dirty, dirty people. <laughs> we had some good bands, yeah. but but well, Maxwell's. That's pretty. You get, and, well, and, and it was a house. Yeah. You know, now I have an apartment. Where yeah. am I going to put them? It's a railroad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what um was it? Was it comics that brought you to New York? Yes, it was. It was comics. Um, in I was an intern. I was yeah. a college intern at oh, Marvel. Yeah. That's a pretty good. Gig. That's how I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that must have been like it. That's, I mean, I, well, I guess we could get into sort of the specifics of how it actually was, but I, I could imagine, you know, getting... It sounds like a dream gig, right? Um, Initially. So, yes and no. I, I was lucky in a lot of ways because I was the paid intern. Yeah. The publisher, no, the, the president, I don't know, Jim Galton, who was at the time the head sure. of Marvel, had gone to my college. Yeah, okay. So he had set up an intern program uh, with my college, which is in Ohio, yeah. Antioch College, which since closed and reopened and all this. So um, he set up a program where you would have a new intern every three months, and we got paid $200 a week, which was great for interns because interns were paid yeah. nothing. You know, I, I had three unpaid internships in New York City, which <laughs> was, it was hard. It was hard to work and do three internships well, at the same time. Even $200 a week is not exactly... Yeah. You know. Yeah, of course. But um, when you have a group house, you can get by on that. You know. Um, and you know, it, it's it's slightly sl- slightly more expensive in New York than it was. When oh yeah. You were in college, oh, yeah. I imagine. No, wait, and this was 1988, mm. and I had a group house in Jersey City. Yeah. And we paid 750 for a three bedroom. I mean, it was a different world. You yeah. know. So um, that was how I yeah. managed to, to come here, and um, I thought I would just stay the three months. <laughs> And that was how many years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Were you? I mean, you know, it's it's. I guess a little serendipitous that 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 internship program was 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 at your college. But were were you looking to comics before no. you? Okay. I wanted to go into public radio. Yeah. What happened? What happened there? I didn't. Comics. <laughs> comics took over. I had student loans. Mm. So I came, so you went to the lucrative world of comics. I went to what was in my face, yeah, which was Marvel Comics. Like yeah. I um, thought initially it would just be a few years while I caught up on my student loans, you know, and that didn't happen. Yeah, and eventually I defaulted on my student loans, um, and then Marvel paid them for me, and then I was like an indentured servant to Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> so then I had to stay another two years. And they would take a certain amount out of my check. Oh, wow. Yeah. They must so, have really liked you. Well, it was just a different 
yeah. world. You know, now I don't think anybody would do that. But at the time... Um, Certainly not a comics company. Corporations were just different back yeah. then, you know. This was like before all the... Everyone started buying everyone, and um, certainly Before comics Disney were a very different yeah. world. You know, we how many bankruptcies and, and redundancies later, you know, are we now? Like, yeah. they just wouldn't do that. And also, I'm not sure anyone should do that. That's, like, a pretty weird thing to do, you know? Yeah. To bail out one of your employees. Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> if they're really... If you really want to hold on to them, I guess that's 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 a way to do it. To it's one way kind to of do force it. Them in, yeah, to force them into servitude. Yeah. Um, were you... I mean, were you reading comics at that point? Yeah, but not not um, actively. Yeah. You know, I would read Spider-Man and X-Men. Yeah. Um, I have not really been aware much of DC Comics since I was a little kid. Yeah. You know, I like I was aware of Wonder Woman yeah. and Batman. I was aware of them, but I, I, I didn't read those since I was tiny, you know. So I was always a Marvel person. Um, and I did not actually aspire to move to New York. The plan was to move to Austin, Texas. You were in Austin for a while, right? I was in Austin for a while. I was an intern at the Austin Chronicle, okay. which is the free weekly there. Yeah. I don't know if it's still free. Back then it was free. Yeah. Um, I think they have a big online presence now, as everyone does. But uh, I was only there three months for an, another internship. And during those three months, I met a lot of people. Yeah, because we, we were talking about... <laughs> I mean, you were telling me some Daniel Johnson stories, and it sounds—I mean, I assume that you were living there for that's all over a three-month period. All over a three-month period. How did how did you meet all those people? How did you cram all <laughs> that into three a months? Smaller world. Yeah. And the sort of world of indie rock hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, so it was like a very small scene, and there wasn't a lot of monetization of the scene, so you just kind of knew everyone very quickly. Plus, I worked at the Chronicle. Yeah. So that's how I met Daniel Johnston, in fact. Um, I was working there, and he came by one day. Oh, no, wait a minute. It started, it started at McDonald's. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, he worked at McDonald's. Yeah. You know that? Yeah, so yeah. I went. One, I was pretty broke. I wasn't paid anything at that point. And the Chronicle had set me up with a job taking tickets at Liberty Lunch, which was one of the nightclubs in town, um, like two nights a week. So I was pretty broke. So one day I went to McDonald's to eat, and, you know, he worked there, and um, this guy who worked there kept washing the table around me over and over, and I um, I was a little freaked out by it, right? Yeah. And, but, I mean, I'd seen photos of him, and I was like, oh, I know who that is. But, yeah. So I just kind So of he left. was, like, a was, known quantity at that point. He was a known quantity. Yeah. He went all over town handing out his tapes. Everyone knew who he was. He was So he was kind of just known as an eccentric at that point. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. Maybe they kept him at McDonald's because it was entertaining to have people come in and look yeah. for him or something. But he was washing the table around me, and, and I was a little freaked out by that. So I kind of split and got out of there really fast. Um, and later that same night, he came to the Chronicle. And... I was driving the editor and the publisher. We were going to a party or something. Um, so I was driving them in my, you know, 1976 Volkswagen Rabbit or whatever <laughs> it was. And um, as we pulled out of the parking lot, one of them, Nick, said, um, hey, there's Daniel. Yeah. And so I stopped. And they were like, hey, Daniel, do you want a ride? And he's like, sure, give me a ride. So I got out of the driver's seat and put the chair up to let him into the back seat. And he goes, oh, my God, you're that girl who was at McDonald's today. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's me. And he got in, and he, he got very quiet. He yeah. was kind of embarrassed, I think. He was kind of shy. And um, we drove him 
to uh, Record Exchange, which became Sound Exchange, which yeah, became yeah. a Thai restaurant or something that has the big frog on it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we dropped him off there. Right by the, the university. Yeah. yeah, and it's across from the Dobie Mall, which was where his McDonald's was, and he actually lived... Uh, right around the corner mm. in um, like a, a little apartment that was just a shared room. It was like a room in a house where the you know bathroom's down the hall yeah. kind of thing. He lived right around there. And um, yeah, I, I let him out. And after that, he started showing up every single day at the Chronicle. <laughs> and that's how I know Daniel. <laughs> so you want, you want, but you, I mean, you, you wanted to stay in Austin. You wanted to stay at the Chronicle or... I just wanted to go down there. I thought yeah. it seemed like a really good place to be. This was before high tech. Yeah. This was before the influx. South by Southwest. Money. And this was South by Southwest. When did that start? Nineteen eighty-seven. But before. Yeah. Is what this it is 86. today. Yeah. This was eighty-six. So it hadn't started yet. Um. Although those are the guys who made it. You yeah. know, like the Chronicle guys made South by Southwest. So. I thought, well, I'll just go down after graduation and find what I can find. It, it's a, what I like about Austin is that um, I mean, this isn't why I liked it at the time because I was like twenty, but I like it now because people are still innovating and creating in mm. middle age, and it doesn't—they're not fussed about it. That mm. you know, like in New York, um, the cost of like living, the, the cost of living, yeah. Here, and you know, it's like here, it, you almost feel like sometimes life is for the young, you know? Yeah. Like you look outside, and it's just like everyone is sort of rich and young and I'm like where do these people come from where did all this money come from but in Austin I'm like um, people are still innovating and doing their thing in their 40s and, and they don't make any money they don't care you know so but, I kind of but I like, think but it, it, it seems like even the ability to do that when you're younger is, is kind of impossible in New York at this point too I, I mean because there's nowhere to live now I don't know how my students do it yeah. you know I have a lot of students I teach at SVA okay and uh, writing, I teach comic book coloring. Comic book coloring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Is that is that? Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna make we're we're gonna talk about that now okay. because, um, you know, I <laughs> for, forgive me, but I I, I guess I, I sort of assume that especially as it pertains to more you know mainstream stuff that most of it is done on computers at this point. Yes, it okay. is. Yeah, I teach it on the. You computer. do teach on the computer. Okay. Yeah. And you did. And you, how long have you been coloring for? I started coloring in order to let's circle back. Sure. Pay the student loans, okay. right? So when so Marvel, you're at Marvel, when I was indentured to Marvel, uh-huh. um, I was then getting significantly reduced paychecks yeah. because they were taking the money directly out of my yep. check. So I needed to make a little more. So one of my friends, Steve Busolato, who was a colorist, sat me down and taught me to color. You had no experience at all. Coloring. None. None whatsoever. But he was a very good teacher. Yeah. You know, and it was a very different thing at that point in time. It was um, involved paper. <laughs> you know, it was and hand, hand color. Yeah. yeah. And you were literally painting. You, you painted it on a piece of watercolor paper with yeah. the art photocopied onto it. And then you coded it by hand. Like um, each color is representative of CMYK values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you would code it by hand. And, um, you know, eventually that transitioned into Photoshop once they invented Photoshop. Um, and you know there was a, a big uproar within the industry as yeah. a lot of people were shut out and some new people came in and whatnot. Not a, not everybody can make that. Not everybody made it. Yeah. yeah, I mean a lot of people didn't make it yeah. because it's it's a completely different um, thing. It's, it's different skill set. Painting is a physical thing. Yeah, you know, computers is a very different aesthetic. Um, 
But anyway, I I guess I started coloring in 1992, to answer that. Mm -hmm. And I colored... I worked at Marvel as an editor until 1995. And then I went as a freelance colorist under contract to Marvel until 2001. But I also swapped so off with the trade. So about six years there, you were a full-time colorist? Yeah, but I would swap off also with the trade paperback editor. Um, she would go on tour with her band, mm. Holly Watson, and then I would go in and do her job when she was on tour. Yeah. So just when I was really like out of my mind with sitting at home too long by myself, I could go back into the office and um, get some human interaction, like I'm getting right now. What what uh, <laughs> what 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 does what what an editor do at, at Marvel? I mean, what is? Um, well, at the time, it was a little different than it yeah. is now, to be honest. Um, we had about five monthly titles that we worked on, and I was in Epic. So, initially, I was working on um, with Archie Goodwin. That was his his uh, division. Yeah, and then he left, and he went to DC. And we sort of had this internal destruction of that brand. And I ended up... Um, Epic was sort of like the Vertigo of Marvel. It was the creator-owned yeah. line. So whereas Vertigo has company-owned and yeah. creator-owned... It was um, like an answer to Image, sort of? Or no, that, this no, was before this Image. Before, okay. Yeah, Vertigo started in like something like 86. Yeah. And I got there in 88. I mean, not Vertigo, I mean Epic. Uh, Epic, yeah. yeah. And um, I think Paradox or Piranha or whatever was the answer to Epic because that was it was specifically for creator-owned yeah. businesses. So um, someone like ElfQuest uh, could be published at one publisher and it's owned by its creator so they yeah. can move to another publisher when that deal is up. So ElfQuest had multiple publishers. Another example of that is Moonshadow, mm -hmm. which came out from Epic and later moved to... Um, I think Vertigo, or maybe DC, I think Vertigo. Yeah. Um, so these were all owned by the actual creators. It's this, but it's this recognition. I mean, if we're talking like 86, 88. Yeah, we're talking yeah. like the boom in a certain type Ninja of Ninja Turtles, and we're talking about like black and white. Yeah, it's a different world, yeah. you know. Um, and Epic Illustrated was a magazine, which was, I think, kind of like heavy metal. Yeah. You know, so it was... Um, a different world and after everything kind of went down with the dissolution of the brand I I was sort of left standing with uh, Gru the Wanderer Mobius Books Akira uh, some various one shot graphic novels that's Alien, a pretty good Alien lineup Legion. though yeah it was a pretty good Sergio I, yeah, I'm, I, am, yeah, I was very happy yeah. with my lot in life yeah. at that point that was a pretty good lineup yeah um, and then after that uh, so we, I sort of transitioned out of that into Hellstorm mm -hmm. with Warren Ellis. That was my next big editing thing. Yeah. Um, and um, after that, I went into mainstream Marvel. But I was by then coloring products in the X-Men line. So I, I can't say that it was a big shift, really. <laughs> how's, how's that? Just Oh, you were, oh yeah, I, I was already you're, you're, you're on got one foot. You already so got one foot. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, my God, I went yeah. from Akira to X-Men. It was... You know, I was already. It's got. I mean, especially when it because because you're you're doing you're doing some writing now. Um, I mean, that's got to be a different world. It's dealing with these beloved characters. Yeah. Now, so I wrote last year. I mean, I've written books before. Like not kind of novelizations and. Yeah, I in um, nine 
2009, let me think, in 2006, mm-hmm. no, in 2000, in the early 2000s, <laughs> I wrote two guide two guidebooks. Those were my first, like, full books. What, what is a guidebook? Um, Just guidebooks two like, characters? And no, 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 not anything to do with Marvel, oh, totally okay. outside of comics. I see. So I wrote a guidebook to tent camping in Virginia, and then I wrote a guidebook to tent camping in New Jersey. And that was for you know other publishers. How how did that how did that, how did that come about? <laughs> I know you do a lot of traveling. Are you a tent camping expert? No, no, no. I mean, I I know how to camp in a tent. Yeah, but <laughs> who doesn't, right? But you know, I, I guess you wouldn't say you wrote the book on it, except that you've written two books on it, right? Yeah. Um, and the New Jersey one has provided many people with a lot of uh, punchlines. Um, so thank you for not doing that one. Um, okay, I guess I better back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. I was at Marvel for uh, 13 years, yeah. grand total, yeah. um, of my time on staff, yeah. including coloring and editing. And in the year 2000, um, I took a trip, and I went for six weeks to Southeast Asia. And as usual, I would always come back, and you know the editor in chief at the time Bob Harris I would go to him and I would be like oh I had such a great time I did this and this and this and he would just sit there and sort of shake his head and be like you're insane you know and and he would he would always find these advisories about everywhere I was going yeah and malaria be like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he'd be like this is what's gonna happen yeah. to you um but I I would find myself just um ranting about how much fun I'd had you know to to Bob and finally I was like why you know why am I working if I'm having such a good time on all these trips, why why do I work so hard, you know, for ten months a year, just so I can have a decent two months a year? And that just seemed money, maybe. I well, mean, living maybe, and maybe money, yeah. maybe. But I had this little condo. Okay. So I bought a condo on Avenue B. Yeah. In 1992. Oh, wow. All right. Right. Yeah. You see where I'm going with this? Yes. So, so I had the ability to transform that into not having to work for a while. Wow. Yeah. Um, in 1992, you know, Avenue B was um, wildly, wildly different than it, was it is today. It a lot today. easier to score crack. Right, right. There. Or a very cheap apartment. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we had this whole scene where they, the city took over the street on 13th and B, and there was like this thing that looked like a tank. It, it looked like that uh, urban assault vehicle in yeah. um, Stripes that came yeah, onto yeah, our yeah. street. It turns out that New York City owns two of those, and they had names on them, like ships. You know, like in a boat, will have a, a name sure. on the side. Yeah, the they, SS. Had, they had names. Yeah. And it was called Sunny. Oh. So Sunny with a U came onto our street delightful. and evicted squatters. Um, they rolled a tank onto yeah, 13th Street. Yeah, I mean, it's street. not really a tank. It's, it's yeah. like this, I don't know what you call it, military-looking vehicle. It looks like but the thing in Stripes. Armored and, yeah. Yeah. I for, I, I that do seems know like overkill. Called. I think I learned what it was called when I was writing the Iron Man book, but now I've forgotten. So anyway, um, so that was your that was your building. Yeah, that was my block. Yeah. Okay. But the um, anyway, I had this apartment, yeah. which I could sell, you know, which I had bought for fifty six thousand dollars, you know. So um, I sold it and I left Marvel, and I left it at a good time. It was in bad shape back yeah. then. That was that was a very complicated time what, in comic book what, history. What year was it? This was uh, the very end of 2000, the very okay. beginning of 2001. Yeah. It was a very complicated time. This was time. before all the movies. and Before the movies. Yeah. Well, we had X-Men had come out, but that wasn't yeah. our movie. That was uh, Fox. Fox, yeah. Um, 
maybe even Spider-Man had come out, but that wasn't our movie either. Yeah. We didn't have a Marvel studios. studios thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what we did have was a lot of bankruptcies yeah. and a lot of corporate intrigue and a lot of headaches. You know, I was happy to leave it. I, I didn't think there was a hope of it ever being what it is today, you know. Um, so I, I left that and I planned this trip around the world uh, for a year on the Internet live without airplanes. Um, why, why no airplanes? I, I guess I just wanted to make it more challenging. Yeah. Um, it's a real, like, Phineas Fogg sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you go up in the plane, it's like you miss a lot. Sure. You know? Yeah. No, so I, I, I wanted that. to see all this stuff um, on the bus, you know, on the ground level. I wanted yeah. to see all these people that you run across. And I assume a lot of ships were involved. Yeah, I took some ships. Yeah. Um, I took freighters. No pirates. Um, <laughs> I didn't go through that part with all the pirates yeah, yeah. Somalia. No, Somalia. <laughs> what, what, what is a, a freighter like? Um, well, if you're, you know, approximately 34 years old mm-hmm. and a single female, they're pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Um, <laughs> I was like a princess. Okay. It sounds I, like a little rapey. Am I? <laughs> no, no, no. It's no, fine. Okay. It's fine. It's, it's because they, uh, these are actually merchant marines. I mean, they okay. have ranks, yeah. you know, it's, it's a very rigid environment yeah. and it sounds kind of creepy, but it's really not yeah. like, you know, people have jobs to do and, um, a regiment, you know, yeah. so. It was fine, but I but it was like I was their princess. It was kind of great, you know. As every, every I mean, it was a while. It got a little annoying too, because you just want to be left alone. You know, I'm like I'm trying to write in here, you know. But do people just not take ships anymore? Is that um, you can put up to twelve people on a ship? Yeah. After that, you need to have a doctor, so they'll only let twelve passengers go on a ship. The real problem with ship travel um, is that it's very expensive. Yeah. And at that time, there was no euro yet. So the U.S. dollar was very, very strong in the world. And um, I think if I took it now, it would probably be very expensive. You know, I mean, that was one advantage to traveling in 2001. Mm -hmm. The dollar was very strong. So I went um, across the U.S. on the Amtrak. I went across the Pacific on a ship um, through New Zealand and then into Australia and then trains and buses through Australia, another ship to East Timor. You know, there's... I'm imagining... In my head, I'm seeing the map as I'm doing it, Mm -hmm. but you're looking at me like I'm out of my mind. (laughs) I mean, I knew this this about about you. This is not a shocker to me. I mean, you've written books on the subject. Yeah. Anyway, the the end result of that was I ended up in Australia for two years. (laughs) Okay, now I'm looking at you like you're crazy. Not that there's anything wrong with Australia, but how... Why did... Why did you... Because I met a man in China. I met an Australian man in China. I met a man in China. That sounds like a punchline. I'm an Australian in China, and I ended up in Australia. Yeah. Uh, On and off. I couldn't stay because of the visa. They throw you out every three months, and then you go away, and then you come back to renew your visa. Um, So I was there for a while, and then I came home, and I was like, oh, I better buy this apartment in Jersey City and then rent it out to people just so I have something, because otherwise I'll just spend all this money that I have left over from Avenue B. So this, I bought this You're little, still on condo money at this yeah, point. Yeah, I'm still on condo wow. money at this point. A year traveling around the world, two years living in Australia? I'm, I'm really, really careful with money. <laughs> and also, Australia was such a value for us at that point. Yeah. Now it's extremely expensive. At that time, it was almost two to one. You know, So um, I got a lot for my money back then. But I didn't want to you know, throw it all away, so I bought this new apartment. Um, so 
at that point, I was sort of, well, what do I do now? You know, I was trying to write this book, and the book is called Stalking the Wild Dick Dick, which is a small antelope. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about me traveling from Cape Town to Cairo in 2001. So that's the first, that's the, it's the third book. But How does the Dick Dick, what, what di- role does the Dick Dick play in that? Um, the Dick Dick scared me out of my mind. It was outside my tent in the middle of the night. And I imagined it to be a ferocious yeah. beast, which was going to eat me. Yeah. However, it was not a ferocious beast. <laughs> just, a, just kind of a funny story that gave the book its name. Yeah. 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 Um, but why did that, I mean, of all, the, of all the traveling you're doing across the world, why, why does that particular leg deserve its own book? Oh, it, uh, I didn't do that. That was not me. Oh, um, I- that was the publisher. Yeah, I wanted to... I was pitching... First, I was pitching um, the entire trip. Yeah. But that's... I, like, I've done this, and I've, I've tried to... i pitch books before, and, and you, you go into the publisher, and they're like, oh, we've... Somebody's written a, a trip around the world book. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. They were... The, well, the fir- at first, people were like, oh, I don't know if that'll sell. Uh, you know, and then I had an agent for a while, and she was like, oh, you're a comic book person. Why don't you make it a graphic novel? Yeah. And I was like, because there is no advance in the world which is going to pay for like a 160 page graphic novel about my trip but but people at the time had seen all these articles you know oh graphic novels the next big thing and they were a little confused because they didn't understand that a lot of these had already been paid for in serialized fashion they just didn't get that so i tried pitching as a graphic novel for a while whenever anybody heard the advance they were like oh no 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 (laughs) and and if i you know if if and again, this is based on my limited book pitching experience. But it, you know, if it had been pitched now, it would have been something along the lines of, "Oh, can you travel around the world and looking for different foods?" Or you right, know, what right. is the yeah? What's what's your angle of traveling right. around the world? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It would have been um, well. I tried to make it no, but no planes. Okay. You know, um, but it was just too broad. Yeah. And they wanted an Africa. They wanted a woman in Africa book. Now, a white the, woman in Africa. But. Well, I have to tell you that the story that I gave them, I don't think that's what they anticipated. I, you know, it did pretty well. I liked it. Friends of mine liked it. But I think they might have been looking for something a little more, how, how shall I say, um, maybe a little more like, oh, my God, I'm a woman. Yeah. You know, and that's just not what I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, like, yes, I happen to be a woman. I mean, in their defense, you were afraid of an antelope. (laughs) Right. I was afraid of an antelope. That's a good point. That was a good point. No, but I'm not. I don't don't believe um, that there is a significant disadvantage to traveling as a woman. Yeah. I wouldn't know how to travel any other way, obviously. But and you've and you've survived the comics industry as a woman for this long, so you could pretty much do anything, right? (laughs) Um, I believe that there are significant advantages. To traveling while female, hmm. and um, the boat you described the freighter one. People take care of you. Yeah. People want to help you. Um, people look at you. They see their mothers, their sisters, their wives, and they're like, "How can I help you?" Now, when a guy has the same role, he's often just ignored. Yeah. So I, I don't see it as a disadvantage, and I don't think that is necessarily what people anticipated when they paid me to write this book you know <laughs> yeah i wonder too i wonder too if it's just if it's just that people are mostly n- nice to still strangers i mean is that you know yeah, I, people I, are willing to help people in distress absolutely. um 
part of the the myth of travel, I guess, is it's to it's to the benefit of people who make money in travel to maintain the illusion that it there's a level of exoticism. Hmm. Um, it's very exotic. It's very scary. It's the unknown yeah. and. Um, if you can sort of pitch that in a way that people will spend a lot of money for it, um, there's a real advantage to that if you're in that sort of business. I'm completely at the other end of that. I think that it doesn't take any great skill to get on a plane. Um, the The hard part is planning it and getting yourself out of the house and taking the time. <laughs> That's like a really challenging part. Yeah, you know? this is. I mean, this only occurred to me right now because you know, we were talking about your. Um, I guess it's the first time you've walked outside in some time because you've, you've injured your foot. Right. Yeah. You of all people. I mean, how yeah, difficult? Me crazy. How, how long were you housebound for? Or I don't know. Let me see. Four weeks. Four weeks. Four weeks. Yeah. I guess not quite four weeks. It was like three weeks and five days. I mean, something. you probably get you probably get antsy just being in in New York, even when you can leave the house. I do. Um, I try not to. I I also believe there is sort of no. Nothing good can come of endlessly traveling. Hmm. I don't think there's any point to that. Um, so I did that whole trip around the world. I've since done a 10-year anniversary lap in the other direction around the world. Um, and, you know, various little trips. I've lived in Kuwait. I've lived in Cairo for my job. Um, and um, I think I'm qualified to say that no good can come of constant movement. At some point, you have to stop. Well... I, obviously, you're, you're driving something from from travel, and how is that? Fun. How is that breaking down <laughs> if you're having fun all the time? Uh, Just tra- not having a home base, or you? What happens every time you go home after an extended trip away? Uh, you lose a little more of that contact with your home base. Hmm. So people have lives, you know. Like yeah. they aren't going to sit around, you know, pining away for you. <laughs> You know, my friends are not just sitting at home being like, oh, Marie's gone. I guess we'll just wait. You know, like they're going to go out and get other lives. And yeah. then you're not going to be a part of that. And then every time you come back, you have to work to uh, get back into a social environment. Um, eventually, you can end up having no home. Hmm. Right. So right now, this is my home. And I have had to work to make this my home again. But and when but when you say home you're speaking specifically of the people you surround yourself with? Um home is New York. Yeah. Home is New York. I mean, I live in Jersey City and I lived in Manhattan, but I've been here since 1988 on and off. And I know people a few other places, but most people I know are here. And um it's very very hard to meet new people when you're not, you know, like 20. Yeah. You know, when you're not in college and you don't have a job. It's just hard to meet people in New York, too. It's I think it's really hard to meet people yeah. in New York. It's There's one of so the most alienating of places. Yeah. And you all, everyone's got a little box around them yeah. because it's so crowded, you have to make a little box. Comics are great, though, for that, right? I mean, the, the, I, I Comics find... Comics are home. Comics are I find home. that it's, yeah. you know, the... The yeah. most of the best people I've met have been through comics. Yeah. I mean, I, I can go away for years and come back and um, I'll be like, oh, I'm so alienated. You know, I'm running around meeting all these people. They're they're different than me. They're rich. I don't know what's wrong with these people. And then I go to a comic book event and there's like, oh, everyone here is like me. <laughs> and then I'm... That's, they're all weirdos. They're all weirdos like you. That's home. Yeah. 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 
Where uh, are, are you planning your next trip? I'm not. You're not. I'm not. Really? I really am not. Is like, this the first time in a while where you haven't had one on the horizon? Um, no, I, this has happened before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I just got. I spent the summer in Mexico. Yeah. Because my last job finished, I had a job. Do you know about this? I had a. I knew you were doing the Iron Man thing. Okay, so I was writing Iron Man, uh, the book, yeah. the prose novel. Based on the third? Based on the Iron Man Extremis Warren Ellis uh, okay. series. Yeah. And um, that was like three months at the end of last year. And it was making me a little bit insane. Yeah. You know, just like wound up in the house all the I time. I saw, yeah, I, I, I saw a lot of Facebook updates about um, I'm artillery. <laughs> That seemed to be the main sticking point for you was doing research into into automatic and semi-automatic weapons. Fortunately, I know Larry Hama, who has all the answers to that stuff. You know, he's the guy who did all the GI Joe comics. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I worked for the Kuwaiti comics for a long time. Do you know about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah we've talked about that. So, from two thousand in two thousand five, I was living in Uganda, and I was. Um, writing Stalking the Wild Dick Dick. Yeah. Right? So I thought I would go back to Africa to write the book about the Africa part of Marie's world tour because this was 2005. I was writing a book about 2001. I thought I should at least be there to get a little bit more of the ambience or whatever to write it properly. An excuse to go to Africa, too. This is a good excuse to go to Africa. Um, And while I was there, I, I I finished the condo money. Uh, so <laughs> all that money I yeah. had been living on. Um, but you've got book advance money at this point? Yeah, but, you know, book advance. Yeah. The dirty little secret yeah. about book advance money is it's not money. Yeah. It's it's like an allowance. Yeah. <laughs> it's like your parents sent you an allowance and you're eight. You mean there's not a ton of money in publishing? <laughs> is that what you're telling me? You know, you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I finally ran out of money. And a friend of mine had just gone to Kuwait to do a um, open a comic book publishing business there as their COO and uh, he sent out an email it was like hey everyone I'm moving to Kuwait if anyone wants to help you know let me know you can come on over and help us out and I was like I'll do it you know why not that's such a weird I don't know I, I, I just that would never occur to me to start a comic company in Kuwait is was there demand for that <laughs> no there's no demand there's no for demand it. for it no why Kuwait because my boss was from Kuwait. Okay. So he, um, as the story goes, he has a bunch of kids. He has like seven kids or something. Um, yeah. And he went to get localized content for them. And all he could find in Arabic was suicide bomber trading cards. Yeah. Which is like, you know, um, kind of morally yeah. offensive. <laughs> so he decided to create... Uh, property okay. which children in the Middle East could appreciate and would be wholesome yeah. and would um, give them something positive in their own language. Superhero stuff? Superhero stuff. Yeah. So he made this comic called The 99, which is uh, based on the 99 aspects of Allah. So there are things like light, power, strength, um, destruction. So all of these char- became a character. Yeah, so it became 99 It's like Shazam a little bit, right? You know what? It's like Captain Planet. Oh, okay. Or something. Or or Pokemon. Yeah. You know, or the X-Men. 
So everyone's got a power, and as a team, they can do something. I see. You know, like kind of a Voltron. Yeah. yeah. So I went over there to teach them how to color, um, and within a few weeks, I was editing the book. Um, that you went to Kuwait from Africa. I came home for like two weeks, okay. well, and then I went to sure. um, got to feed the cat. Yeah, <laughs> got to feed the cat's pretty hungry by now. <laughs> yeah. So I went over to uh, Kuwait for three months, and then and then I kind of got the job. So then I was sort of bouncing around doing the job. So I, I did it here for a while out of my apartment, and then they opened an office uh, right over on 35th Street, and I was in there for a while, and then they opened an office in Cairo, and they sent me to Cairo. Sounds like a pretty big operation. It's pretty small, really. But, but yeah. It's an international operation. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, we, we are incorporated. Yeah. You have to protect your your intellectual property in the U.S. That's that's how you do it. You know, so we have an office here and whatnot. Um, so for a while, I was in Cairo, and then I came back, and then I went back to Cairo, and then they closed the Cairo office, one thing after another, you know. Um, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Um, so where am I now? So I'm back. And at this point, I said, I'm staying home. Yeah. <laughs> because that, I had spent how many years yeah. bouncing around the world. And that's the point at which I realized that it gets you nowhere. What, what, y- what year is this? This was 2008. Okay. So this is fairly recently. This is fairly recently. And all of my friends had sort of gone on with their lives. And and I had to just like, like beat my way back into their lives. Um, <laughs> and I... I decided to stop doing that. And then in 2011, it was the 10-year anniversary of Maria's World Tour. Uh-huh. So I thought, well, I'll do it this one last time live on the Internet again in reverse. But I can manage it this time. I'm only going to do it 10 months. All right. Sure. So, I, so I did it the reverse order only for 10 months. But I was lucky enough to take my job with me. You say only 10 months, but for most people, that's a tremendous <laughs> amount of time spent. I, I mean, know. when I spend, you know, three weeks on the road, it's, yeah. it's rough. Oh, and I sold that other condo by then, uh-huh. too. So I, that, was, that helped. Okay. <laughs> um, so three weeks is, is actually, in a way, rougher. Like, mm. when you really get into it, you're, you're devoted. You're like, I'm going to go for months. Yeah. It's a very different thing. Yeah. A short trip is kind of is more of a pain in the ass, actually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I committed to staying here, and uh, other than that one little trip and, like, vacations. Now I do vacations, like normal people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a bit envious of, of the ability. I feel so tethered right now. It just seems like an impossibility. To... I was very lucky to have that Kuwait job because yeah. they were already used to working with me by email. Yeah. So to them, it didn't matter uh, where the email came from. So I was able to do my job while still going on the road because the um, advent of, of digital communications in the 10 years between the first Marie's World Tour and the second was phenomenal. You yeah. know, the change. You know, in 2001, I couldn't even take a digital camera because you couldn't get the information off of the camera. You know, there was, you, you would have to put software onto the computer at the Internet Cafe to get the stuff off of there. But, in, you know, now you have Wi-Fi everywhere. Yeah. Now you don't need to go in an Internet Cafe. You know, everyone's got Wi-Fi, everyone's got a phone, everyone's got a laptop. It's a huge difference. Um, but I, I am now purely freelance. That job ended. 
that job ended right at the time I got the Iron Man assignment. So um, good, good luck. Yeah, that was good. That, I was really scared. Yeah. You know, because well, where who's going to pay me next month? Yeah. You know. Um, was that your p- first purely? I'm not going to say superhero because he did the Kuwaiti thing, but for writing writing a kind of well-known entity? Yeah, yeah. The other writing I've done has not been superheroes. Yeah. I mean, I've written a few comics, but they were pretty bad, you know. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing yet. Yeah. Um, and then I've written books, but I've never written a prose novel not about, you know, me. It was, it was This was pure fiction. Hmm. And I've never written a... I mean, they were, you know, they were desperate. I mean, <laughs> they needed me to do it because they had a very short amount of time. How long? Three months. Three months. 80,000 words. And um, they wanted to only have people who had already written books. Mm-hmm. They wanted published authors. Sure. And, uh, you know, they have their advance, which is not... I mean, it's a lot better than what I got for Stalking a Wild Dick yep. Dick, believe me. But, you know, it's not, um, not going to pull in Stephen King, you know? Um, I mean, you could probably get Stephen King pretty cheap, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you could just shit those things right out. <laughs> well, apparently, I can't. It was like it was very hard. Yeah, it was a real pain. Do you? Do um, they? I, I always imagine. This is probably not the same with the the, the novelizations, but I, I always I, you know, I have these kind of like romantic notions of the binder that you get you know the, the binder the, the iron man binder the you iron know? man binder the, the, the superhero <laughs> like all the all the all the superhero information that they pass along no you've what, got a mythology you need to work what with. we have um is something called the official handbook of the marvel universe and because i was there for so long i've got it i still got it okay so i just went to my garage <laughs> and dug out my old official handbook of the marvel universe trade paperbacks and all the updates because you get the binder later, and then you have all the updates you put in the binder. But the original there is a ones, binder. There is a there binder. There is a binder, okay. There is. I don't think they do that now. Probably just give you a... There's I probably they, a wiki at this point, right? They do. They have those. Yeah. Um, but right now I'm writing the movie books, the art of movie books. Okay. And right now, for that and for the prose novels, which I'm editing some of the prose novels, they just give you... The editor just gives you the PDFs that are referenced you need you know okay. he, he just pulls them out you know I mean for the art of the movie you probably don't need the same kind of stringent character no you don't but it's like I can just go over to my bookshelf and I can pull out the S volume and I can look up Spider-Man and I can be like what's the exact phrasing they use for you know does whatever a spider can but mm-hmm. like not rhyming from the song you yeah. know and I can just look it up and that's useful sure. you know, I, I like having my little encyclopedia there the, the, the art book sounds like fun. I mean, how are you? Were you on set at all, or how did you? No, I no. wish. Yeah. <laughs> no, those are really fun. Uh, they're chaos, um, but basically, they Marvel Studios does a phenomenal amount of concept art mm-hmm. before they start um, previs. Sure. And they um, they have all these storyboards. They have animatics. They just because of who they are, Marvel. Yeah. They they do more art than most people. Sure, do. I mean they've got a staff that can do that too, and they've got a great staff. Yeah. They've got a they've got guys doing things which are all done in Photoshop, and they're incredible. Mm. And I you know I show them to my class. I've actually stopped doing that because the students I thought they would be inspired, but they were discouraged because they they would look at the pictures yeah, and be like, I, I am that. never going to be good enough to do that. I get that. <laughs> um. Anyway, so we, we put all the art down. 
we'll place everything we're going to do. And we, we start out with more pages than the book is going to be published at. And we whittle it down slowly because a lot of times you'll have something where an actor says, oh, I don't want that pa- you know thing in there. Or sure. their, their representation says, take that piece out. Yeah. So you sort of whittle it down slowly. Um, and then I was working with Stuart Moore on this for a while. Now I'm doing it. He doesn't like it as much as I did, so now I'm doing it. But um, we would interview people so you, you're like okay so who who did these animatics who did this concept art who was in charge of the whole concept art evolution of this piece you know um, like Iron Man has one guy in charge Ryan Minerding and then uh, Thor had um, Charlie Wynn so they have different guys overseeing them sure and uh, so we, we have to chase them down and interview them and they're really hard to get hold of because they're very very busy Mm -hmm. and whenever we're working on the book that means they're already on the next movie right so when we're working on Thor their teams are already on Captain America and Guardians of the Galaxy and they they have to sort of stop and and think back and try to remember you know what was I thinking when I produced that piece Um, but it's it's really very uh, fun but it is it's chaos gathering all that information and then distilling it into you know like ten lines of copy that have to be meaningful because how many of those coffee it's table like, it's books? Captions mostly. It it'll be like maybe two paragraphs. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a caption. But how many coffee table books have you seen where it's been just like meaningless? The words might as well not be there. Yeah. You know. So you want to give something of substance. So you have to really interview these people and you have yeah. to get something out of them. You know. But knowing that probably a lot of people aren't necessarily reading what you're writing no I, I don't know that I would look at it I yeah. mean there's, no. there's it's beautiful a pretty, pictures yeah, it's a why, would, you know, your... why am I going to read yeah. what Marie Javens wrote when I can see this beautiful picture by Charlie Wynn you know <laughs> I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to get back to the, um, the, the class you're teaching at S- SVA um, is it, it, are, are there people are there people who are going to SVA because they want to become colorists or is this a, a kind of a, an elective that you get when you're taking comics classes this is um, it's for undergraduates <laughs> juniors and seniors mostly and uh, I've had a couple students who want to be colorists I've generally discouraged them um, because I want I think if you're if you're in an art school and you're there you know learning to draw yeah uh, you should probably get into something where you could have some kind of ownership yeah um, and in coloring you, you never quite have ownership so if they can draw, I suggest they draw. You know, um, who's who's got who's got the worst lot in life, the inker or the colorist? That has changed. Yeah. Over the last decade, that has changed. It it would have been the colorist before, mm-hmm. but now the color has so much more impact on the page than it used to. There's just more you can do with the computers, or it's just a there's a lot you don't even need an inker sometimes. Ah. It depends on the penciler, yeah. You know, but I've seen some pretty bad pencil, sla- you know, pencil to color. I've seen some pretty bad stuff, but but there's other people who do it really well, and that cuts the inker out of the process. So I would have to say that the inker has it worse right now because he might be cut out of the process entirely. Um, that said, I, if someone can draw and could make their own property, I would encourage them to do that because they they could create something that they could uh, use forever and get royalties off of. Um, but the students in my class primarily want to learn to color their own material. <laughs> so you're teaching coloring, but you're not really coloring anymore? No, I try not to. Um, I 
don't want to color anymore. It's um, it's hard and it, it takes forever. Some people are very very good at it and love it. Like I, I'm thinking of one guy who who actually enjoys coloring. Yeah. And uh, you know more power to him. You know, and he's also very talented. But I know a lot of people who don't enjoy it, and I, I happen to be one of them. <laughs> I mean, for the I mean, for the is it one of those? Is it kind of one of those gigs? Like, and, and I imagine that inkers are the same way, where nobody really expects that they're going to be a color. Very few people yeah. do it on purpose. Um, <laughs> there, usually, people who make the like a really great colorist are often painters, like because they really understand sure. color. Yeah. You know. Um, so if somebody is a really good painter, it might be a logical next step for them, and they can do an amazing job, and they can be happy doing that because they already love to paint. Yeah. And all you're doing is changing your tool. For someone like me, it doesn't really work because I'm not a painter. I never was a painter. You know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm lucky I got away with it as long as I did. You know. <laughs> yeah, you, it seems like you coasted for a, a while. How much did it? You know, go, going from as somebody who didn't have uh, an art background, somebody who wasn't a painter, how much did that shift in job sort of change the way you looked at the world? I mean, did it really impact the way you the way you looked at things? Yeah, I I didn't go in being an artist, but I yeah. came out being an artist. Yeah. You know, because I spent so many years understanding how color worked and, and what you put next to something and how it changes the appearance of the other thing and how sometimes you want to contrast and sometimes you want things to flatten out. It really changed how I looked at the world. And, you know, I when I first left Marvel and I went off on the, my first trip around the world, I sort of envisioned myself maybe a watercolor yeah you know that lasted like three days yeah and then i threw away the watercolor set you know because it's like i'm not gonna have time to watercolor just, that is that that is the most romantic dream of, i'm gonna travel around the world and paint it yeah, yeah yeah i thought i was gonna paint yeah um but as it turned out once i didn't have um a cause to paint anymore i just didn't do it you know so and i mean i traveling around the world cause to paint no i mean it you know when I was you didn't being have paid, an editor telling you yeah. When I was like, paint, you yeah. have a deadline, paint it yeah. now. You know, um, I, it's, as it turned out, I wasn't a painter. You know, yeah. I just let it go. I, I I did paint again. You know, I I did the kind where you do the little color guides again for Disney for a yeah. while, um, but then that ended too. And then at one point they finally switched to Photoshop. For a long time, I was doing that, and that was when it was Gemstone, and they were with um, they were with Diamond, mm. and then they moved to Boom. Are they with? I think they're with Boom now, the Disney comics. Right. But yeah. of course, it seems inevitable to me that the Disney comics will be with somebody Mar- else. Marvel, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> yeah, you like teaching, though. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't like the act of coloring, but you enjoy teaching coloring. Te- teaching is very hard, actually. Yeah. Um, and if I uh, knew a colorist who had the time, not you know, not many. People who are in coloring and lettering and the sort of these industries, they, they don't necessarily live here anymore. Once upon a time, everyone lived in New York who was involved in mainstream comics. They're all in, like, Wyoming. They're wherever they want to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because everything can come in yeah. now online. So it's actually very hard for me to find somebody who will take it on. Yeah. When I, you know, when I go out of town or whatever, I can, I have a hard time finding a substitute. And I've had um, Chris Sotomayor come in and speak to my class. He lives on Long Island, but he's busy. You know, he's he's a working colorist. He does not have time 
to take over my class for a semester or whatever, you know. You can't leave because you can't find a replacement? Well, I could leave, and then there wouldn't be anybody to teach it, yeah. you know. Um, That's amazing. So, I, I don't know. I've got, I'm going to keep trying. Maybe one of my students will um, get work as a colorist, and they can come in and do it. Is there, is there a general shortage of colorists? No, there's no. too many. There's many, many colorists. They just don't live in New York. They just don't live in New York, okay. exactly. You know, there's a there's a ton of colorists, yeah. and there's some amazing work being done. You know, not by me, <laughs> it's by some of my students, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, wh- why were Why were we in New York for the or New York? Why were you in uh, Mexico for the last couple of months? Um, when my Kuwaiti job stopped, um, I I kind of freaked out a little bit. I said, "Oh no, I won't have any money. <laughs> yeah. How can I, you know, get out? Of, how can I?" save more money yeah you know i had my marvel books um but that that's sort of like the you know that's when you finish it you get paid or you get paid on signing you know there's it's not a regular paycheck yeah. um so i just thought well i need to cut my costs and there's one way to cut your costs is move to, to mexico move to mexico <laughs> so um the guy who owns my apartment right now i'm renting my friend who owns the apartment was moving back to new york with his family at the exact same time that i wanted to get out of town for a while so i went to mexico and he took his apartment for two months and i didn't have to pay rent so i was able to pay mexican rent which was half my new york rent you know it sounds like a weird like mexican rent sounds like a slang But it was nice, you know. Yeah. I I got to. Um, you took some good pictures. I got to take. Was some... there like a toy? There was a toy museum. Yeah, there was a toy museum. I went to San Miguel de Allende, which is a big expat community. Yeah. Um, I I kind of feel like in a way I want to retire or something, you know. Like all the retired people live there, and they it's so nice. They have this community where they're all really active and doing things. Yeah. I was not part of it. I was much too young for their thing they're doing down there, but. You know, all the people are like 70 and going to clubs and making pottery and, um, you know, raising money for orphans and stuff. It was really cute. Yeah. I can, I can totally see the appeal, you know, because it's hard to be 70 here, you know. But you came back. Well, yeah. I mean, he, the guy who was in my apartment found his house and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you know, I had to come home. And, and, and like I said before, I don't really believe in staying abroad forever. I mean, unless you commit to it. If you if you find a place you want to live and you're like I'm going to live here, hmm. you know then that's fine. But I don't. But, you, but that's but that's a, a a home. I mean that is yeah a that's home. a home. That's, yeah. that's your home. But I, I don't. I, I feel like bouncing around. Uh, no good comes of it. You know that was uh, that was actually the first time that uh, Marie had uh, been out of her home in some time. She she had injured her foot and was was housebound for a while. So um, you know, was, was was particularly eager to have someone to talk to. She's she's always got a lot of uh, a lot of good stories, but um, I think they I think they really they really came out after uh, after a few weeks of uh, of not being able to to leave her house. Uh, thanks so much to Marie for taking the time uh, to meet with us to do that. Uh, thanks to Brian as always for editing this together. Thanks to Mark and everybody else at Boing Boing for, for hosting the podcast. Uh, Boing Boing Podcast Network seems to be adding new shows every single day. Uh, Happy Mutants, it's a brand new one, uh, among others. You can check all those out on our iTunes page. You, you go to you go to our show page, you click through, you find more shows, and then, you know, next thing you know, you're, you've, you've completed 
completely waste your weekend listening to podcasts. Uh, if you like what you heard, send us an email to rayylcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Tumblr. That's also R-O-R-I-Y-L-Cast, uh, but that one's .tumblr.com. Um, write us on iTunes. We need a... Uh, podcasts need positive reinforcement too uh we uh will we'll be returning i don't know i haven't figured it out you know it's christmas um i don't know uh, you know if it's better to give the gift of, of of podcasts or to give the uh the the editor of the show the the gift of, of taking some much deserved time off uh we'll figure that out but either way we uh will be back very soon with another episode of riyl 